My guest is uh, Tim Lawless from CoreLogic. Interesting, the, Tim, that the um, overseas migration impact on housing demand, recent forecast from the Treasury has indicated there could be a bit of a drop. How, how do you think this is going to impact uh, property prices, Tim? Well, it's, it, it is quite complex, actually. And at face value, you, you look at net interstate, sorry, net overseas migration, last year it was about 232,000 people uh, net uh, coming into Australia. And that's forecast to drop down to about 31,000 by the middle of next year. So it's, it's a massive fall. And of course, that is a big part of uh, the level of demand underpinning housing demand. So it's really important to understand, well, where does that demand flow to from both a product category as well as geographically? So from, a, I guess, a product category, we know that about 70% of those overseas migrants are coming here temporarily. They're generally people like students or uh, visitors here staying for more than 12 months. Um, And the other 40% is generally uh, skilled migrants who also generally tend to rent first. So I think what we're going to see in most of this this drop away in net overseas migration will be firstly a a big impact to rental demand rather than than purchasing demand. Uh, And secondly, I think when you look at it geographically, most of this demand impact is going to be, uh, well, firstly, affecting the capital cities. That's where about 85% of overseas migrants flow to, is into the capitals. And of that, roughly 85%, around 75% of them are landing in Melbourne or Sydney. Melbourne, firstly, and then, and then Sydney is, is the second highest. So I think when we look at the impact on housing demand, it is going to be, firstly, rental demand and mostly rental demand in Melbourne and, secondly, Sydney. So, um, so obviously that's going to um, have a fairly dramatic impact uh, on investors. What's your forecast there for, for them? I mean, uh, is, it, is it more prominent in some areas than others, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head. This is very much, uh, I think, an implication for investment as well as the types of, of housing construction that we're going to need to see over the coming years. So I think for investors, uh, the the biggest implication here is that inner city apartment rents that have been very popular with uh, segments of the market like foreign students, as well as uh, domestic students who are often now studying from home rather than university, and quite often back with mum and dad, as well as uh, inner city apartment renters are often employed in in hospitality or food services, arts, recreational services, all industries that have been hit really hard. It implies that vacancy rates in those inner city apartment markets are going to be very high, which of course is going to be impacting on investors who rely on that income for for their cash flow. And for those investors that have potentially been impacted by their working income as well, that's probably going to be one of the weaker or more fragile sectors of the marketplace where we could start to see more properties moving into a distressed state and potentially uh, coming onto the marketplace under an urgent selling arrangement. Is there any evidence at this stage that this is already beginning, Tim? Well, we are seeing uh, some fragility in those inner city rental markets. Uh, A good example of that will be looking at vacancy rates or the number of rental listings in those markets. So if if you single out some of the the most, uh, I suppose, um, high-profile or or popular inner-city apartment rental markets, you've got uh, areas like the Melbourne CBD has the most number of apartments uh, um, rented, and we've seen the number of apartment advertisements uh, for rental stock has more than doubled since the middle of March. We've seen a similar trend in markets like Docklands and South Bank in Melbourne, 
And in markets like Sydney, it t- again tends to be the CBD, Haymarket, getting out towards Mascot as well. So all, all areas that are very synonymous with uh, high-rise unit um, developments, but also areas that have seen a recent influx of new supply as well, which is adding to some of the weakness in the sense that there is a lot of stock both um, recently completed, but also in the pipeline to be completed later this year. Uh, overseas migration, of course, uh, there's two strands to that. One is uh, skilled workers coming in from overseas and also students. And I think you touched on the student aspect of that earlier. Uh, is one sector more prone to um, uh, a downfall than the other, do you think, Tim? Yeah, well, I think uh, uh, all sectors of overseas migration have been impacted um, quite extremely. If you look at the, the migration numbers that come through from the ABS each month, it's pretty much fallen to, to zero uh, at the moment. Unsurprisingly, considered, uh, considering our international borders are closed, apart from uh, you know, people are coming in on special exemptions and, and obviously need to go through a quarantining period. But if you look at those different segments that are coming into Australia, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the, of the interview, Kevin, about 70% of, of now overseas migrants are coming in on, on temporary visas. Clearly, most of that, those, uh, probably the vast majority, are going to be moving into rental accommodation. But of that um, uh, remaining component that's coming in uh, on more permanent visas, generally skilled visas, Treasury analysis also shows that most of those uh, uh, migrants are moving into rental accommodation first, um, about 85% of them. And the longer they stay in Australia, uh, intuitively, uh, the more likely they are to purchase a home. So I think it has longer-term implications for home purchasing rather than immediate implications that if we see our borders closed you know, for, for a long period of time, which, which hopefully, hopefully is unlikely, then that's where we'll start to see some, some more additional impact on established housing markets. Uh, Tim, likely outcomes of um, low, net, uh, sorry, low net overseas migration is obviously going to have an impact on uh, construction, uh, new units coming through, and probably even valuations. Have you got a thought on that aspect? Yeah, I think it does have uh, very specific implications for the types of dwellings that uh, we need to see being built in Australia. The last six or seven years, uh, the, the amount of housing stock that's come in the marketplace has really been characterised by a large proportion of high-rise unit development, very much geared towards inner-city apartment-style living. Uh, more often than not, uh, what you might describe as investment-grade style of products, so generally floor, uh, smaller floor areas, uh, wouldn't really call them prime locations. I think going forward, particularly for the apartment sector, we will see demand being skewed more towards owner-occupier style stock. So that means um, lower densities, uh, f- larger floor areas, generally uh, uh, apartments or projects that are located on prime sites rather than secondary sites, and quality of product that, ha- that includes high-quality fixtures and fittings and so forth. As well, and probably also outside of the apartment sector, it means there will be more demand flowing into the detached housing market. We can already see that uh, the impact of home builder grant really flowing into the greenfield housing yes. market yep. and not impacting on units as much. Yeah, I was going to make that comment about greenfield. Um, uh, you know, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. I mean, developers and builders, you've already touched on the fact that they they may have to pivot toward that m- more that side of the building, much more active sector. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's been almost immediate. We can see in the HIA, HIA numbers, for example, the number of new home sales 
has surged over the past couple of months as we do see uh, first home buyers in particular taking advantage of not just the home builders grant, but also blending that, that with all the other stimulus available, like the first home buyers grant, state level stamp duty concessions, the five percent deposit guarantee. If you add all these things up, in some states, I think WA stands out as being the most generous. Some first home buyers are getting fifty to sixty thousand dollar leg up into the market. Tim, let's uh, localise this just for a moment and uh, have a look at the Brisbane or southeast Queensland or even broadly Queensland market. Um, what's the likely impact of this, do you think? And, and when will we start to see it coming through? What should we be watching out for? Well, the Brisbane Brisbane market is much less impacted by stores net overseas migration. To put that into some context, last year in Melbourne, we saw a little bit more than 77,000 net overseas migrants arriving in, in that city alone, not, not the state of Victoria, in the city. Brisbane only had a little bit less than 19,000. So we aren't seeing as much direct impact on the Brisbane marketplace as we are in, say, the very large cities like um, Sydney and, and Melbourne or Melbourne and Sydney in that order. But, of course, Brisbane does have some exposure and most of that uh, that overseas migration coming into Brisbane, you could classify as either students, and generally, again, that's that's being impacted on inner city and, and university precincts, rental demand, but also on uh, um, more temporary migrants coming in who tend to be visitors um, taking advantage of, of Brisbane's climate, um, lifestyle, southeast Queensland, that type of thing. So, again, I don't think that's going to have a massive impact on demand for established housing. But it probably, similar to Sydney and Melbourne, it probably doesn't apply for developers. They will need to pivot away from inner city, high rise style mm. uh, investment grade dwellings towards something that's much more owner occupier driven. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Hey, Tim, thanks very much for your time. Tim Lawless from CoreLogic. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Kevin.